0: Hi, everyone. I'm Kelly O'Horo, and this is Adaptable Behavior Explained. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, today, we're going to discuss a little bit about trauma and how people categorize trauma, where there's some issues with the categorization of trauma, and why we need to do a better job of not categorizing things that happen to us. You know, I've heard a lot of people discuss you know, today's people just talk about everything is traumatic. And I think that's because mental health issues and concerns are just becoming more commonplace conversation. And quite frankly, people very much minimize their emotional experiences that were overwhelming to them in their life. And really simply put, trauma is anything that we weren't prepared to handle that was overwhelming for our brain to digest. And that is a completely subjective experience depending on the person their history, their epigenetics, what they've been through before, and how our brain can digest and resolve that material. So I'm going to talk about big T and little t traumas because in in my field, it's a common uh, set of language that people use. And then I'm going to talk about the problems with categorizing trauma in in buckets like that and why it really can create uh, some obstacles for people to heal and to feel safe in discussing the things that they're struggling with. So big T and little t trauma terms are often used to distri- distinguish different levels of traumatic experiences based on the impact uh, or the severity that one experiences due to an event. They're not strictly clinical, but they're used in this field of psychology and mental health to discuss varying degrees of trauma that people may encounter. So just so that we have a, a, a baseline for what we're going to discuss Big T traumas are events that refer to major or significant traumatic things that have happening. Typically, they're life-threatening. They involve risk of serious injury or pose a significant threat to one's physical or psychological well-being. Some examples of what people might refer to are of big T traumas include things like natural disasters, severe accidents, physical or sexual abuse. Uh, Combat exposure, terrorist attacks, and other life-altering events. These events are often catastrophic and have profound impact on a person's life, their ability to feel, whether they feel anxious or depressed or it impacts their sleep or their eating. And so oftentimes these events are what one would describe as a big T trauma. A little t trauma, on the other hand, refers to less severe or chronic or cumulative experiences that may still have a negative impact on someone, uh, their mental health, or their emotional well-being. So these events are more subtle and may not be immediately recognized as traumatic. Some examples of things that people might refer to as a little t trauma encompass kind of a wide range of experiences like bullying, moving, emotional neglect, verbal abuse, uh, loss of a pet, uh, divorce, or witnessing chronic conflict within a family system. While all these experiences may be considered less severe than some of the previous events that I discussed in the big T you know, trauma category, the cumulative effect can be so severe over time. And oftentimes if chronic and ongoing results in significant emotional distress and symptoms for a person. So labeling these big T and little t traumas can present challenges for several reasons. The first of which is subjectivity of trauma in general. Trauma itself is a highly subjective experience. What might be considered a big T trauma for one person might be experienced totally differently by another. And this labeling can really oversimplify the complexity of an individual uh, nervous system and the reactions to distressing events. So an example might be, and I hear this oftentimes from my first responders, they'll say things like, you know, we went on this call and I don't know why... Uh, you know, Johnny isn't upset. You know, this drowning was horrific. And I don't know why he seems to be okay and why I'm struggling so much. And so I say to people, Johnny is like you, you know, Johnny is like, Uh, You comparing yourself to Johnny is like an apple and an orange. We are totally different fruit with totally different histories, totally, totally different resilience environments. So when I start poking around at what's different about you and Johnny, well, it turns out, hey, you also have a two-year-old and Johnny doesn't have any children. And the drowning happened to be a two-year-old. So we start going, hey, of course Johnny's not upset. It's not hitting, not as upset, I should say. It's not hitting Johnny in the same way as it's hitting you because you can so much more personally relate to what that might be like to have lost a two-year-old because you have one. And so we can't compare, that That comparative suffering is really problematic when it comes to categorizing trauma and why one might struggle more with something than another. The other thing that is problematic is the minimization of an experience. So if we label something as a big T trauma, it might inadvertently minimize the impact of the little t traumas. So, well, I, you know, I should be better because I haven't experienced a, an attack or I didn't experience my my dad beating my mom. So I don't know why I'm so upset when the only thing that happened to me was my parents got divorced. You know, I shouldn't be so upset. So when we minimize the experiences because we're trying to categorize and put things in specific buckets, we really minimize the experience of our well-being, and it can oftentimes limit our ability to address things. Stigmatization is another issue that we have to address when it comes to why we don't want to uh, label types of traumas because that inadvertently contributes to a hierarchy of suffering. And this hierarchy uh, is potentially stigmatizing to those who've experienced something what might have been considered as less severe to, to you, but more severe to them. They might keep their mouth shut. They might be reluctant to share what they went through because they don't want to be seen as weak or vulnerable or uh, not be able to get validation for their experience. And so we want to not categorize for, for that reason as well. Another problem with categorization of traumas is that it minimizes the complexity of trauma responses. So what do I mean when I say this? Basically, they're complex, they're multifaceted. An event labeled as a little t might still lead to severe distress and long-term consequences, while a big T trauma might be resolved relatively easier depending on someone's history. If I was in a car accident and it was pretty bad, but I've had an overly safe life for the, for the most part, I might move through that big car accident more easily than someone who just had a, an overly critical parent their whole life and could never do anything without criticism, that person might be in therapy longer than the person with the car accident. Even though we have this uh, this idea that one would be potentially worse than the other, so it minimizes the complexity of how we respond to something. You know, I can say that in my uh, in my experience. My my big T traumas would be that my parents got divorced when I was 12 years old. And the way that I experienced that experience was rather traumatic because of how things unfolded after the divorce. It wasn't just the divorce in general, but it was, you know, having to move and losing access to my dad as much. And, you know, my mom going through such a hard time that she wasn't really able to be present. And so there were so many collateral events or what happened after The trauma that really negatively impacted the way that I could resolve my experience. Whereas I've heard cases where clients went through a divorce and they'll say things like, you know, my dad lived down the street from my mom and it was not so bad because I could just ride my bike if I forgot something. And they didn't really lose access to either of their parents. And so they were able to deal with you know how did they heal a little bit more easily than someone with a more complex experience? So again, we don't want to box things in and stories in because there's a whole dynamic of surrounding events around anything that we go through that really greatly impact the resolution of our of our uh, traumatic experience. And then there's the impact on healing when we categorize this when we categorize trauma. When we doubt if our experience was big enough to talk about or to feel a certain way, it can, you know, the voices in our head can say, well, that shouldn't count or I should be okay. And it, it hampers our ability to fully heal. And so we don't want to, we want to shy away from this comparative suffering idea that, well, it wasn't as bad as this, or I should be through something because someone else who went through something similar is because we really all bring to the table a different set of experiences genetics, and history that really uh, informs the way that we digest overwhelming information. Another topic that I want to make sure that I address as to part of why we don't want to categorize is there's there's a pretty significant difference in cultures based on what's okay and not okay regarding vulnerability. So for example, in our Western culture, oftentimes we don't support grief and anguish in the way that other cultures do. So we try to keep it small. If you go to a funeral, you know, you don't hear people wailing and crying and screaming of anguish in, in a Western funeral oftentimes. But for example, I went to a funeral of a friend who's, uh, whose mother lost her daughter and they were uh, African culture. They were from a, a country near Ethiopia called Eritrea. And in that culture anguish and wailing and expressing that grief is normal and commonplace. And I was really thinking about it. It was so painful to hear her in this way. But I also thought she's going to heal faster because in her culture, it's, it's okay and it's expected and it's almost celebrated to be able to express the emotional experience that one goes through. And so, those are all p- pieces of the puzzle that we have to consider when we think about how do we resolve traumatic experiences. And just one more reason that we want to shy away from the categorization of traumatic experiences. So, I hope that you found that information helpful. Again, we want to shy away from comparing what we went through that could be considered traumatic for one and not the other. We want to shy away from trying to compartmentalize uh, traumatic experience into one or uh, two kinds of traumas and really get curious with people about their whole experience and why they might be experiencing the lack of resolution from a traumatic uh, traumatic event. So I hope that you found this helpful. I hope that it gives you pause when you're trying to relate with others about how they're dealing with events and emotional experiences. And I hope that this helps you to have more compassion and understanding for both yourself and for others when we're sharing vulnerable experiences that we might be struggling with that contribute to how we are dealing in relationships and showing up in the world related to symptoms of overall wellness and mental health. So thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your attention today. And I hope that you feel uh, more enlightened about how to approach these kinds of topics with people. And please remember to lead with love because it'll never steer you wrong.